Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Today, I want to talk about, um, we're going to start a new series called Soul Therapy. You didn't know it, but you came to a therapy session today. Soul Therapy. Um, my, my heart in this is that I, be, I, I just have a sense that many of us are carrying heavy burdens. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and carry heavy burdens. And, and in this season of life, our, our souls are, are not at rest. We're carrying, carrying some pretty heavy stuff. We have some pain, and it's, a, it's as unique as the individual, but it is, is the season that we are in. And I would say it's not just a COVID season. It's kind of been that way for a while. I'm to explain a little bit about why I think that is. And maybe you can relate. Let's start with this. How many of you woke up this morning? And when you woke up, your first thought of the day is, I want today to be horrible. Like, I want it to be miserable, filled with stress, pain, worry, and anxiety. Like, if it is the worst, bring it on because that's what I want. Anybody wake up with that as your first thought? I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. No, nobody. Even if you knew you had something difficult coming up, like if you're a, a teenager, tomorrow you're going to wake up and go to school. Maybe, I, I, who gives a test on a Monday? I don't know. That would be really sick and mean. But maybe you got a test and you're dreading it. You're like, this is going to be hard. You still wake up wanting the test to go well. You want the day to go well. Even if you have a difficult conversation up ahead, you're like, oh, this is going to be uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. You still want it to go well. You want things to work out. But at the end of the day, do we always have control over how things happen during the day? No. We want it to go well, but I can't say to, uh, if I go to Rendell and Linda's connect group tonight or Jan and Tim's connect group, I can't say, well, you know what? I can't make connect group tonight because after I leave church service today, I'm going to go park the trailer. And when I drive out on the Diamond Drive, I'm going to get plowed by an F-150 Ford pickup truck. And I got surgery, emergency surgery taking place tonight, you know? I don't get to choose everything that comes my way. And when I say something that's obvious, you're like, duh, why you say it? Pain is real. Pain is everywhere. And it hurts. We all have pain and struggles that we deal with, and we gotta, we got to work on these things. No one escapes pain. There's different levels of pain. I can flick you on the ear, and that's going to hurt, and you're going to want to punch me in the face, but what, that pain level is going to like come instantly and go away instantly. My brother-in-law, he tripped this week and shattered his elbow, had emergency surgery, didn't plan for that. He's in tremendous pain. That one's going to last a little bit longer. There's different, there's different flavors of pain, just like ice cream. Sorry for mentioning ice cream if you, uh, if you like ice cream but, or if you're hungry. Um, but there's different flavors. It's not just physical pain, which I've been describing. There's, there's mental pain that we have to deal with. There's relational and emotional pain that we carry in, which some of the scars from those, as you know, last way longer than a, than a, than a surgery or a physical wound. My, my dad, in the small town I grew up in in Missouri, my dad was the eighth grade health teacher, small town. 
So if you were in the eighth grade, you had to have health, and you had to have it with Mr. Break, my dad, which means I had health with my dad in the eighth grade with all of my buddies, which if you've been in health class, you know there's going to be a two-week period in health class where you do sex education for two weeks with my dad and all of my buddies in the room. All right, you can laugh at my pain. The scars are deep. And I feel like in this season, our souls are carrying some heavy wounds. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. He offers a different and better way. He, he cares about your soul. And just like on a broken bone, we'd have some physical therapy to do. We're going to do some, some spiritual therapy sessions now, I, I, I struggled on calling this therapy because if you're like me, I'm like, I don't want to go to therapy. <laughs> it's not like, oh, yeah, let's do, I've been through it. I, I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to champion it. But I'm also not like, woo, I'm going to go to church today and have some therapy. But I also think this is very free. Why don't we go to therapy? There's, there's a lot of different reasons as to why we might avoid it. One of them might just be pride. I don't need therapy, mamby, pamby, therapy. I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. That's for, for other people. And I honestly, I don't have the, I don't have, if, if pride and narcissism are, are with you, I don't know that I have much help because I haven't been able to help people at that level who are like, I'm good. I don't need it. Usually I just like joke and laugh at them, which is not the most helpful thing to do. If anything, maybe I could see if, if, if pride, I don't need therapy, I don't need any help. If I could help you see that maybe all the people around you are in therapy because you're not willing to let go of your pride in therapy, then maybe you might see that you need some help because I believe we all need some help if we would just let go of the pride a little bit to say, maybe I don't have things all figured out. Maybe I'm not always right. If other people around me, especially those who are closest to me, are wounded and hurt, maybe I need to look at some things that are going on. Pride might be a reason we don't touch therapy because I don't want to deal with it. And where I'm going to kind of go today is another reason is we're just too busy. We're in too much of a hurry. This is going to take discipline, hard work, humility, going into some places that maybe I don't want to go, and I don't have time for that. A book written by Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Jesus says, I'll give you rest for your soul. Maybe we don't seek soul care and soul therapy because we are too hurried. We are always on the go, and our soul is not at rest. In this book, uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, I'm going to kind of paraphrase, uh, Mark gives 10 things, 10 signs of a hurried soul. So you might just go through this list and see how many out of 10 you're, you're on. First one is irritability. Signs that you have a hurried soul, irritability. People kind of tiptoe around you. You carry around this kind of low-level, low-grade negativity almost everywhere you go. And, I, and when I say irritability, you don't want to think about those like coworkers. 
because we can, we can manage that. Irritability towards the people who are closest to you. I'm talking your kids and your spouse, your brother, your sister, your mom, or your dad. Like your, what is it with the people around you? Are you finding yourself irritable? Symptoms of a hurried soul, hypersensitivity. Minor comments start to trigger and hurt feelings. Someone says something on Facebook and it starts to trigger. What would be a minor comment said by somebody else and it starts to trigger us. Restlessness. You can't relax. Even on time off. Hello, Los Alamos. Your mind, your mind won't shut off. You go on, a, on a, a camping trip, a weekend trip, or a vacation, and it just won't turn off. It's another one that goes along with it, a workaholic. Again, hello, Los Alamos. You can't stop. You are always doing something. Even if you're going to watch a movie or a sports show, you're still folding laundry or doing dishes. You are multitasking workaholic. You never stop. Working weekends, holidays. You have vacation that's just like, I'm, I'm starting to get it. I'm, I'm meddling, right? Get that vacation that's overflowing. Emotionally numb. Signs, symptoms of a, a, a hurried soul. Emotionally numb. Empathy is rare. You're lacking passion. Your priorities are out of order. Urgent, things that are urgent are always replacing things that are important. You're reactive more than you are proactive, and you feel detached from calling. God, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? I'm just like on the, the, the treadmill of life, chasing carrots. You don't even know what you're doing or why you're doing it. It's just slacking this priorities. Your priorities are out of order. Lack of care for the body. Just the basics of a good night's sleep. Eating healthy. Exercise. Diet. Symptoms of a hurried soul, escapist behaviors. You are too tired for life-giving activities, so we settle. We'll overeat, overdrink, we'll binge scroll and scroll and scroll, play video games. Like you could just pick the narcotic of your choice. You're just trying to escape from your brain from the things that are going on. Escapist behaviors. Lacking spiritual disciplines, symptoms of a hurried soul. The, the basics of having a, a good community, a good solid community, prayer, getting into the Bible, those are usually the first things to go. And, and hint, they take time and energy to do those things. We'll settle for Netflix and a glass of wine so we can escape. And we never really feed ourselves substance. And I'm not against Netflix or any of these things. It's just we are escaping and we're not really filling our soul. It's like eating potato chips. It's empty calories. We're, we're intaking all of this stuff, but we're not really feeding our souls on things that really matter, that will fill it. And it can also lead to isolation. Symptoms of a hurried soul. You feel disconnected from God. You feel disconnected from other people. And when you actually really have time to sit down, and kind of seek God in some sort of space, it feels so awkward and so void of life that we just quickly go back to the mind-numbing activities and, and digital distractions so we don't have to sit there in this space. 
I feel like our souls are on overdrive right now. And I don't know how many of those out of the 10, you're like, check, check, check. I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, too many. It's not meant to guilt you, okay? I'm not trying to guilt you or shame you or condemn you. That's the enemy. The whole point of that list was to show you it's toxic. Hurry, hurry. The life of hurry is toxic to our souls. What's, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Love and hurry are incompatible. Relationships take time. And if you want to go fast in, a, in relationships, it's not, oh, hey, how you doing? See you later. Bye. Slow is fast in relationships. You got to slow it down in your relationship with God. And so many of us, we are on the go, on the go, on the go, and it keeps us from our calling. It keeps us from, from hearing from God and what He wants to do in our lives. This, the goal of soul therapy sessions, because we're going to do some soul care here, and if we can humble ourselves and admit, maybe I got a problem, I got a problem, this could be life-changing. To, to feed your soul and actually go after some things and say, maybe my way leads to exhaustion. And Jesus says, I got a way that'll lead to rest for your soul. So I can keep working the wheel and just going and going and going, but I know where that leads and I'm not satisfied. Maybe I got to try something different and I want to maybe send you on a new trajectory that's going to bring life and health and calling and passion to your soul again. Now, we will talk about in this series, different things. I've already mentioned it. Get in the Bible. Pray. Get into community. Like, those are good things. But I also want to guard against legalism because the end goal of, of these things, going to church, the end goal is not to get you here. The end goal is not to, oh, well, I read the Bible. Woohoo! way to go. What am I shooting for? The presence of God. Those are the things that get me into the environment. When I pray, the end goal is not to pray and say some words. The end goal is a relationship with my creator. Let me, let me kind of, so I'm not legalism, but let me kind of explain this. This will be a little bit grotesque. Have you ever walked into a public bathroom right after someone just completely like destroyed the thing? Okay, we have, all right? Traumatic traumatic experience. We're like, what the, what is going, oh my. Have you ever been in there with someone had like a Febreze or something and they, like, like what would they think they were going to block, right? We all know, we, <laughs> it just smells like cinnamon destruction, all right? We know what took place. All right. You're like, what is he saying? Is there another pastor coming out here? No, I'm it. It's the best you got. I don't know if it's going to get any better or not. But The Bible says our righteous deeds, the things that we try to do to earn favor with God, 
says they're like filthy rags. They're not earning us anything. Spiritually speaking, they're good. It's actually a little bit more grotesque. The literal translation on filthy rags is, is, is minstrel rags. It's like, wow, God's graphic. That's why I like the Bible. It's real. He's not mincing any words here. Now, you can get all riled up about that and say, well, why do I even try the righteous deeds? I'm not earning favor with God. Why would I do those things? I want, to, I want his presence. What is he trying to say here? Don't work for it. It's the whole thing of the gospel. I'm not good enough. I need help. So stop trying to earn it with God. Just have the relationship. Quit trying to do this because he sees right through it. You're not fooling anybody. We know the stink. So when, I, when we talk about this in soul therapy, I want you to understand the goal is to get God. I pray because I want to get God. I will put myself, I will go to church because where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. And he often works through other people. So I want to put myself where other people are at. I'm going to get in a connect group. I'm going to do the things that put me in an environment where I can hear from God, where I get God. But many of us, again, we are on the go, 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 and those things will go first. So today, here's soul therapy session one. Slow down. You can write that down. Take a note. Your first counseling session. Slow down. All right, you can put $250. I'll save you some therapy right now. You can just when you leave today, put put some money in the in the box and, and go. You don't have to do that. I'm just saying, like we would do ourselves a lot of favor if we would just slow it down. Slow down the pace. G, uh, this goes back to creation. This is a principle of creation. This isn't just a good idea. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. We're going to talk about, I want to dive into this one more next week, all right? Because we have a lot of misconceptions about Sabbath, or my new favorite word is Shabbat. It's like the Hebrew word for, for Sabbath, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong because I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I like Shabbat. Now, what's interesting, just real quickly, I'll probably dive into this more next week, it's, I would have thought it would have said on the sixth day he finished his work, and then he rested on the seventh day. But it said on the seventh day God had finished his work. So apparently he was still in the business of creating on day seven. What did he create? Rest. It's almost as if something's incomplete without some rest. Create, 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 create. But if you don't rest, you're always going to be missing something. And he's giving us a principle of life. We're going to talk more about this last week, and it's not something that you have to dread. All right? My teaser for next week is I want Shabbat, your Sabbath, to actually be your favorite day of the week. That's my goal. By the end of next week, we put that one into practice. All we're doing today, slowing down. 
Next week, you're like, I'm looking forward to that day. I'm not dreading that day. I'm not missing that day. That's a day of joy and delight. So I've been practicing Shabbat. Take a day. Seek God. Delight in Him. Have some joy. Big part of that has been getting out in nature. And I go and I walk. Sometimes I listen to a sermon. Sometimes it's uh, um, nothing. It's, uh, it's just me and God and nature. Whatever it is that's bringing in life to me. And so I'm doing this a few weeks ago. And during the time I'm listening to a sermon and it's talking about trauma. If you've been in an abusive relationship, if you've, if you've gone through trauma in your life, and he starts sharing about stages of trauma bonds. And I'm going to go through this. I am not an expert at this at all. I got this from, from his sermon. I'm going to share some of these things, and I'm going to share what happened during my time of slowing down in hearing from God. Let me, I'm going to set it up like this, though. Seven stages of trauma bonds, someone who's gone through abuse. And this kind of the cycle that they go through. Stage one is love bombing. This is at the very beginning where this like this crazy type of love. Everything feels awesome. You get all of this affirmation. And it's great. Feels good. Feels healthy. That's stage one. Second stage goes into trust and dependency where that person who has, who, who, who worked, who like a, has been in abusive relationships they start to get you to depend on them. You start to isolate from other people and I, I start building a codependency relationship where I need them. And so they, they're, they're starting to build this trust and dependency where you need them. And then stage three comes criticism where they start to slowly criticize and blame you for things that are going wrong in the relationship. Stage four is manipulation. When things do go wrong, they start to manipulate things, gaslighting you, making you feel like you're the one who's crazy. You're the one who's messed up. And they start manipulating things to where you start to believe their narrative, that I am the one who deserves this. I am the one who was wrong in this. I am, I, and they've manipulated that, to which leads to stage five, you start to give up control because you don't even know what to believe anymore. You want stage one, love bombing, so you just go along with whatever they want. Because you know if you speak up, the fight is on. And so you'll do anything. You'll give up control in the relationship, which leads to stage six, you start to lose yourself. Because you know when you fought back, things got worse. So you will settle for anything that brings peace. Which leads to the seventh stage, addiction to the cycle. Where we are so used to the highs and low in this abusive relationship, in this traumatic relationship of up and down, that we will even seek other sources. We are, we are so desperate for the high. Addictions will come in. Someone who's very successful might get it, be addicted. It's not every case of abuse or every case of trauma, but we will so desperately seek the highs that we get addicted to other cycles of this up and down, this dope, I need a dopamine hit of something. And so I go after it. Now, if you're like me 
as that pastor shared some of those things, I started to get a little bit emotional. If I'm describing, if you're like, I, I might be in that relationship, I feel like that hits on me. Again, I am no expert, but I do want to tell you very plainly, very clearly, let's get help. There is help available. There is a path forward. There is help and healing. If you feel like that's me, like I'm the abuser, and I feel like I'm kind of outed here because that's the way I operate, I'm going to tell you there is help. I'm not here to condemn you and shame you, but please get help. This will destroy your life if you stay in this cycle and God has not meant for you to live in this cycle. So I'm listening to this sermon. I finally have slowed down my life for I feel like the first time in 40 years. I'm practicing Shabbat. And I'm hearing this and I'm starting to get emotional. And during my time as I'm listening to this, I'm like, I'm not in an abusive relationship. To which God said, yes, you are. Not with a person. But this is described your relationship with the church. So this is a little raw for me because I'm still in this. And I've gone through some stuff. As a, as a little kid, in the high school, in my grown adult years, in ministry, I've, I've seen some stuff. My wife and I, we kind of pride ourselves saying, most of the pastors who have gone through what we have gone through are not here. Like, we should be long gone from ministry right now. But it wasn't until about three or four weeks ago to where I, I in this moment, I was like, I, I feel like I've been abused spiritually. And there's a big part of me that's, I'm like, I want to fight back and say, no, I know people. I know some of you. You've been abused physically, sexually. You've been raped. You've been gone through hell. And I'm like, what I've gone through is nothing in compared to that. So I try to just justify what I've gone through. And, and I feel like for the first time in my Shabbat and slowing down, God's saying, no, you, Mike, you get to own this. You get a word from God, and now we're going to work through it. Because this cycle is something that I'm like, I don't want to live in this cycle anymore. So I'm a big believer, when you get a word from God, it's time to go to work. We take next steps here. So I get this. I'm like, wow, this is heavy. I was not expecting this. I'm a little bit emotional. I go and I tell my wife, Rita. She's super comforting. She is a counselor. She is not my counselor. <laughs> she loved me and, and said, you know, just very much encouraged me. I have a counselor. So I go and I meet and we have some, some therapy. And I'm kind of working through some of this. This is the first time I'm speaking it out loud. I really didn't want to share this with any of you today. This was not in my plans for today's sermon because this is very raw and I'm working through it, which is like a big preaching no-no. 
But God would say, no, you're going to talk about this because we're going to walk through this together. So I'm talking with my counselor, and I'm a little bit upset with God. So I'm like, this is, this is kind of sick. Like, I've, I feel like I've, I've been hurt and wounded by the church. I'm realizing this has done a lot of damage to my soul. I love the church, and I'm pastoring a church. Like, doc, this is not good. What? Come on, God. Like, this is a little bit sick and twisted. To which my therapist said, for trauma victims, not in every case. Again, and I'm no expert. And he was talking specifically to me in my circumstances. But he felt like, hey, Mike, for some trauma victims and for you, do you know the path to healing? I'm like, I don't know. That's why I'm here. I'm trying to figure this thing out. He said, healing will come through the exact thing that brought the trauma. Meaning, if I have felt wounded by the church, healing and freedom will come through a healthy relationship with a church. All of a sudden, God's not so sick and twisted. All of a sudden, I, my eyes open up a little bit as I'm taking next steps to see. This is, and when I'm talking, like, I love Freedom Church. Like, God has given me a church to find healing from my trauma. God has provided a path to say, you've gone through this. And I'm preparing a way to do this, and we get to do it together. So now I'm like, okay, all right. I, I don't have to feel ashamed or guilty or less than. I just, this is it, and now I'm walking through it. Folks, this has been there all along, but I have not slowed down to hear from God. And, and I noticed, like, I would have some people maybe say something or maybe not even say something but look a certain way or maybe shoot an email or something, and everything was great. But I would notice this trigger inside of me that would, like, get defensive or I start having an argument in my head or something, and I'm like, the person who said this had all great intentions, very loving. But inside of me, I'm like, all mess. That's from the past trauma that I'm now working through to say, I'm getting healing for this. So I give you a very raw and open, vulnerable case for me to say, slow down. And give your soul some rest. Slow down and hear from God. Our souls are carrying pain. And so often we are too busy to even get help. Slowing down 
And we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks. Again, this is life-changing. It will feel a little bit like a death. It'll feel like you are kind of sacrificing some things in order to provide care for your soul. Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Rhetorical question, nothing. The care we are talking about this week and slowing down is providing care for your most valuable possession, your soul. And so often we only see what the flesh sees, we only see what is in, this, in front of us in our circumstances, and we disregard the spiritual that is invisible and we can't see. And he's saying, uh-uh, soul care, that's where it's at. I'm hoping to, to free you up and take the blinders off, take the scales off our eyes so we can see things a little bit more clearly. Slowing down has done that for me. Harriet Tubman, she freed thousands of slaves. She's quoted as saying this. She said, I freed thousands of slaves. I could have freed thousands of more if they had only known that they were slaves. Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let's say that again. Then you will know the truth. Say it like you mean it. And the truth will set you free. Put that in the chat. I feel a little bit more free, even though it's raw and vulnerable and it hurts. So humble yourselves, Peter says, under the mighty power of God. Start getting back into that pride thing. I don't need no therapy. I'm good. Ah, I'm a follower of Christ. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all, all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Some of your versions say, cast all your anxieties on him. I like that. Peter's the fisherman. Just cast it. Just cast it. Just cast it. Because he cares about you. I don't know where you're at today. If you're hearing voices of condemnation, if you're hearing voices of shame, if you're hearing voices of accusation today, that's not from your father. That's, that, is, that is from your enemy, and he wants you to feel all those things because he, does, he doesn't want any part of this verse. He doesn't want any part of this message of soul care because he knows if you're free, you are a threat because you're going to lead other people to freedom. So today... We close this out. Let's go ahead and just stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. A lot of times when I slow down with God, I just, I just slow it down, and I'm quiet. I have my quiet time in the morning. I read the Bible, probably have a coffee with me, or I'm just sitting in silence and solitude if I go out on a walk, and it's just me, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm here. I've slowed everything down, and I've silenced it, speak. More times than not, I don't hear anything. 
Not like, oh, we'll do this step or do this step or do this step, which is awesome if it would do that, but it's not all the time. More often than not, here's what I get. I love you, Mike. You are a great son. You're on the right path. You're going in the right direction. I've called you for this moment. Be strong. Be strong. Be brave. It's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And I let that flood over me. And I let that wash over me. Because all I was seeking was God's presence. All our soul wants is to be in your presence. So, so Lord, I just pray right now for the hurried soul, for the hurting soul. God, we are carrying some heavy wounds and burdens and scars. And you're telling us right now, I love you. You are a great son. You are in a great, you are a great daughter. Speak right to their souls. What do they need to hear right now, God? brave. Be brave. Be strong. Be humble. You're on the right path. You've been called for this. Keep going in that direction. It's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. God, I pray right now, just solidify that in their soul. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.